Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel, everybody, and welcome to our Saturday stream. I am able to do the stream because I indeed, as you can probably tell, decided not to go to Megacon in Orlando, uh, but obviously hoping everyone is having a fun time down there. Uh, trying to catch up with the video from the Geeks and Gamers panel as as we speak. So hopefully I'll be able to have watched all of that um, over the course of the next day or so. But welcome to episode 425 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where we will talk about the box office for John Wick and John Wick Chapter 4 specifically and how it is doing still quite well. Uh, projected to come in the number two spot this weekend to Dungeons & Dragons, which is actually doing better than had been previously uh, expected. The film now projected to make $40 million domestically this weekend. So we'll talk about that and also why that not necessarily is a good sign for the film, seeing that the film needs to make quite a bit of money in order for it to hit its break-even point. So we'll talk about that. And tomorrow is Palm Sunday. So we begin Holy Week tomorrow. And as you all know, very important time of the year uh, for me this entire Lenten season, but especially tomorrow through uh, you know Easter Sunday um, is just, again, some of the holiest days in the church's year. So a blessed uh, end of Passion Week and a blessed beginning of Holy Week to everyone watching. Before going any further, though, please make sure to smash the like button, loud the fire button if you're watching on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to some people in the chat. We got Miss Martin Muses. Hail to you, Miss Martin Muses. Thank you very much for being here. We got Tina B, Empress of the Universe, who stopped by for a little bit. I know that she had to uh, head back. Um, I think she is listening to EFAP right now. She says that they um, have ruined John Wick 4. Um, and again, obviously, they're going to pick apart pretty much every single movie that they ever watch. It's kind of their shtick. However, any criticism and every criticism that I've heard about John McFour has never and has not taken away anything of the love that I have for for John Wick Chapter 4. I still think the film is fantastic. I still think it's one of the best of the franchise. And I loved it so much that it even motivated me to buy uh, the collector's edition set available right now. Uh, that has uh, you know John Wick chapters three and uh, cha John Wick chapters one two uh, one through three, and it's a beautiful set. I'm gonna show it in a little bit, but that's how much I enjoyed it because it's just it's just good. It's just a good film. So definitely don't let EFAP or anyone else uh, you know take away your intrigue in the movie. If you want to see the movie, go see the movie. If you don't want to see the movie, don't go see the movie. If you didn't like the other films, you're not gonna like this one. If you like the other films, there's a pretty good chance you'll like this one. Obviously, it's not guaranteed, especially with all of the hype surrounding the film. So, anyway. But thanks thanks for stopping by, Tina. Uh, Orange Eye Reviews, what is going on? He is not only a member of the channel, but also he is my mod. He's my primary mod. And so, if you indeed want to uh, be sure to not get the boot from the wrench, from the mod, please make sure to be respectful. Make sure to not spam. I do fall about 20 to 30 minutes behind in the chat typically because I do read all comments. Um, obviously, if you super chat or donate via Streamlabs, which is preferred, 
you get bumped up in that list. But I do try to read all comments that tag me at Odin at the very beginning of your comment at Odin. And let's me know you're trying to get my attention. Uh, Apocalypse is watching over on Rumble. Thank you very much, good sir, for being here early. Uh, you're great. And now that I, uh, again, thank you, Orange Chat, for mentioning how to check the cookies, because that reminds me I have to turn Heimdall on, so that way people can check their cookie counts. And if you want to check your cookie counts, just follow the instructions that Orange Chat has laid out in the chat. We got Father Luca Illich. What's going on, Father? Thank you very much for being here. Says that he just finished watching Con Air on TV and had a blast. Is that your first time watching Con Air? Con Air is fantastic. Con Air is so funny. I love it. I haven't actually watched it in quite a long time, too, so I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed it. He then goes on to say, I didn't watch any of the John Wick movies. I heard a puppy is involved. Hope the puppy is fine. Ah, really? Haven't seen any of them. Well, I would, re I would recommend it. Definitely a lot of uh, violence and some language, but other than that, it's a, it's a pretty fun time. Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, how about a hockey player says, Watching Top Gun Maverick right now. Great choice of film. Excellent choice in film, in fact. Thank you for being here, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? We got Great Wuda in the chat. What's up? We got Mr. Roy. Thank you very much for stopping by earlier on the Salty Saturday Morning Podcast. Appreciate you being over there. Shout out to the Salty Nerd crew. JS Pena in the chat saying, yo, what's up? Great Wuda says, eight days later, and I still love John Wick 4. Me too. Hashtag me too. Gmonkey76 is saying hello, hello to you. Wayward Noodle saying hello to the chat as well. Thank you very much, Wayward Noodle, for being here. Um, and speaking of Wayward Noodle, thank you very much for starting us off with a $10 su -su 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 super chat. And it says here, uh, let's see. Uh, Odin, you inspired me to do a bit of a personal Lent mission. Stopped drinking from Fat Tuesday till yesterday on my birthday was an interesting journey, so thank you. Wayward Noodle, dude. Well, first off, thank you very much for the support, man, and congratulations on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you were able to uh, to pick something up like that, and uh, hopefully other people have been able to, you know, even if you're not Catholic, right, to, to pick up something to, you know, to have maybe as a small sacrifice because it's just a great time of the year. It's always good to make, uh, you know, sacrifices to try to get our minds and our hearts turned back to the things that are truly important. Um, and that I think is definitely a good one uh, that a lot of people in today's world, especially, rely a bit too much on. So, first off, congratulations, Wayward Noodle. Uh, very much proud of you, and uh, thank you very much for for letting me know that. Um, it definitely, it definitely, uh, it humbles me to hear that. You know, anyone. You know, anyone would be able to be inspired because um, I'm just, I, I always, I, I'm, a, I'm just a regular dude and people like coming to have conversations and talk about box office and movies and culture and life. Uh, so Wayward Noodle, thank you very much, man. And congratulations. That's awesome. That is awesome. Kincaid Rumschke, what is going on? He says, I'm going to the Latin mass for Easter. Yes, Kincaid Rumschke. Yes. Amen, brother. That is awesome. Uh, if, if this is your first Latin Mass, I will say that if you're talking about going to the Easter Vigil Mass, it is definitely, I would say, probably a difficult one to choose because the Easter Vigil is already the longest Mass of the year. Uh, the Latin Mass, the traditional uh, Mass, the, the traditional Roman Rite is uh, definitely longer, especially in that, in that context. Um, so it is okay. So just be ready. It's going to be a marathon. It's beautiful. 
It's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be a marathon. Uh, I love the Easter Vigil Mass. I, I love it, uh, especially because of all of the symbolism that exists throughout the entirety of the Mass. For those that have just maybe never been to it or have no knowledge of it, the way the Easter Vigil Mass works is that it starts off in complete darkness. So literally, you are in darkness, the altar has been stripped, the uh, tabernacle is empty, and it's supposed to be reminiscent of, of the tomb, right? Of, of Christ. Um, of Christ's death, of him also having uh, resurrected, not being in the tomb, right? So there's this absence. And then all of a sudden they do uh, you know, a special blessing of fire. And then from the fire, they light the Easter candle. And then at first the Easter candle is the only thing that lights the church as they walk in. They, they do various chants and it's beautiful. And then from that candle, you then have, uh, you know, you as you walked in, have a candle and then everyone starts to light candles from the Easter candle. And then eventually you have the entire church lit up by nothing but candlelight. And it's one of the most just beautiful, breathtaking things that I've ever experienced. And I remember the first time I went to an Easter vigil and this was older. This is when I was older, uh, when I could appreciate these things a lot more. I was just, I was just uh, blown away. So just be ready for that though, for sure. Uh, he says, I heard about three plus hours. Yeah, for a traditional Latin mass, uh, and especially if there's going to be people entering into the church because they do baptisms and confirmations during that time, then yeah, it, you're looking probably at around three three hours. I think the shortest one I've ever been to um, was about two and a half, three hours. And again, we go to offer worship to God. And so it's not like one of those things where you're like, oh, is it going to be worth it? It's like, well... Is, is worshiping God worth it? I mean, you know, if you're coming from a place of faith, especially it's, it's not, it's not a difficult thing to do. Um, but yeah, so I would say, uh, if you have a missile, bring a missile, uh, so that way you can have something to, to read along with, uh, as well. Most churches do offer like printouts of the readings and the, the red book. You'll just know it because it's, it's the red book and it has the basic outline of the mass. And so I know that that can definitely, uh, help bring a rosary, I think it would also be very beneficial. I know that I, you know, for a regular mass, you know, bring the rosary to pray. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so get ready, but I'm excited to hear that, man. Cause yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Once, once I started going, you know, I haven't gone back, you know, I haven't gone back. Let's see. Alice McCarthy. What is going on? Saying howdy. Oh, and how's it going? How's Thor? Surprise. You're streaming while WrestleMania 39 night one is on April fools. I'm not surprised. Exactly. Right. Alex McCarthy, you, you know, you know better. Um, I might actually try to catch up with WrestleMania once the stream is over, uh, because you know, it's WrestleMania. And even though I'm not invested at all with pretty much anything going on in the WWE right now, I it's again, it's still WrestleMania. So I will definitely, uh, be, be at least paying attention to what's, what's going on. Um, all I know is that I, I hope Roman Reigns loses because I just cannot believe that that dude is the guy that's been champion for what, three years. That that's just an insane concept to me because the guy can't wrestle. So general Wingster, our, our King of fools is in the chat. And indeed it is, uh, it is April 1st. It is, uh, it, <laughs> I don't know why I was going to say all fools day. I don't know. I guess because I, my mind was on, my mind was on, uh, the church and so, of course, with the church and with days, you think, okay, All Saints Day. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, All Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Uh, and uh, it's my least favorite, to be perfectly honest. And it's it's because there are some people that I think understand it and do a very good job at, at being able to, like, fool people. But then there's others where there are certain things that really shouldn't be joked and really shouldn't be fooled about. 
So for instance, there was a fake article being circulated very early this morning about uh, Pope Francis basically uh, uh, reversing all of the bans that he had had on the Latin Mass. And again, it was something that was clearly not true, but because it was presented as an article, it was, it was again, that's one of those things where it's like, uh, not the right time, not really the right thing to, to joke about. Um, and again, there are some things that are good, some things are bad. Overall, though, I, I could care less uh, about those things. Anyway, uh, Laura, the modern major general, is in the chat. Thank you also for stopping by this morning for the Salty Nerd podcast stream. Ambrose Chamberpot in the chat. What is going on? Orange chat reviews. Yes, we are going to be talking spoilers tonight about John Wick as well. Uh, if you have not seen the film yet at this point and you still care, I, I cannot help you. Because, as you all know... I try to be as fair as I possibly can. I keep things spoiler-free in the chat. I have my mods also keep an eye on the chat to make sure that no one puts spoilers in there. And I even extended it to the second weekend. But we are now in the third week of, of you know, the third weekend of its release. Sorry, sorry, actually, no. We're in the second weekend of its release. My mind is going. Yes, we're in the second weekend of its release. And by second weekend, I typically can no longer protect people from those types of of comments and we are going to be talking about those but my always my thought is if you care so much about a film and not being spoiled either one why didn't you go see it opening night opening weekend obviously things happen i know but then you've had a whole week to watch it and you've had most of this weekend too so i can't protect you at this point in time so anyway Sorry, not sorry, but Orange Review says, John Wick, spoiler, he killed three men in a bar with a pencil. With a pencil! Yes. Absolutely. And it was uh, beautiful to see. We'll, we'll go in more depth with the spoiler talk as well. Uh, Rob D says, hello, Odin. I noticed, why is it that Tuesday is the biggest day for the box office between Monday and Thursday? Because of discounts. Uh, discount Tuesday. So the vast majority of theaters, especially the, ma the massive theater chains, I know AMC for sure and Regal too, have discounted Tuesdays. And because of that, more people are like, hey, I get to go see a movie for a lot less. I'm going to go on that day. Ultimately, then more people are going. And so even though the tickets are less, because you have a much higher volume of people going, you have a higher number in general. So that is typically why the Tuesdays are a lot higher and it's because of the Discount Tuesdays, which have been around for quite a while. So that's why if you even go back to some older films uh, over the last you know, several years, you'll notice that trend of Tuesdays you know, being one of the highest days uh, of any given week. Coliseum Builders in the chat, what's going on? J.S. Pena uh, in the chat as well just says here, Recently rewatched Fight Club. I swear, the more times I watch that movie, the more I realize there's something I missed. What are your thoughts on the movie? I've only seen it a few times, to be honest, and I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a very well done film. But it's definitely not a movie, for me at least, that I ever feel compelled to rewatch. Um, and so I think the film is great. I think it's brilliant. I think there's a lot of, as you said, things that if you watch it more than once, you start to pick up on. Especially when you know uh, you know, the twist and the multi-personality going on. But, uh, but because I haven't watched it enough to be able to have and share in that experience, I can't say too much. Uh, ben Dowdy, what's going on? Thanks for being a member on the channel. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, thank you for stopping by the Salty Nerd Podcast too. Kimberly G, what is going on? Thanks for being here. Joey Horn in the chat. Hail to you, good sir. Thank you very much for being here. 
as the chat has jumped on me like it always does. King Kane Rumsky over on Rumble says, is the Latin mass uh, MAGA MCGA? If you're talking about like make America great again, is that like, is there a different MAGA that I'm, that I'm, <laughs> that I'm seeing? I mean, I, I would say no, it's not political. So <laughs> I would say it would not surprise me if a lot of people who attend the Latin mass um, are more inclined to vote for said candidate. But even then, again, the vast majority of the people going to these traditional liturgies, I feel, are politically independent. And, and I've always been very, you know, open and honest about that, that I'm politically independent. I don't, you know, I don't identify with any of the parties. Um, oh, make Catholicism great again. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I would say that is definitely a mindset shared by a lot of people, right? It's the understanding that we live in a world and we live in a country and a culture which is very, very quickly on the decline. We see a lot of things just going to hell in a handbasket. And so one of the things that we look to is, okay, historically, what is it that maybe can be seen either as a symptom or as a cause or as both or as you know something more nuanced? And we see that basically from the 1970s, from the ending of the Second Vatican Council, and really with the promulgation of the new mass, what do we see happen? We see massive drops and plummets in baptisms, massive plummets in, in marriages inside the church, massive plummets in ordinations, and pretty much every single metric from the 1970s. Now, again, is it only because of that? Is it only because of Vatican II? No. But just logically, you look and you say, okay, Clearly, there seems to be a connection between the church seemingly abandoning the moral high ground, and obviously it's gotten even worse when uh, the the cover-ups and the abuse scandals were, were revealed too. We realized just how much rot there was in the church amongst in the individual members, and so that obviously also plays a role in this too. But it really, I think, comes down to it seems that the church at that time basically said, you know what, we're just going to seed the culture. We're just going to seed that ground. And once the church seeds that ground, guess what? You leave a void, other things come in, and sure enough, what do we see? Massive increases in, uh, in vices, massive decreases in virtues. And so I think a big thing that is happening right now is that a lot of people who are drawn to Latin Mass are drawn to it all for different reasons. You know, for me, it's because I am drawn to reverent liturgy. When I think about worshiping God, I think God deserves complete reverence. And when you look at a typical Novus Ordo versus a typical Latin Mass, it's night and day as far as reverence is concerned. That's not to say that those that go to Novus Ordo aren't reverent. And I will never attack anyone. Uh, you know, I again, I, I work at a, a Dawson school. The Masses that they have, you know, as a school community are all Novus Ordo. But at the same time, I'm also not going to, you know, lie and I'm not going to deny reality and an objective fact, which is that one is objectively more beautiful than than the other. And so I think that, yeah, you do see a connection there. Um, King Kane Rumsky. Uh, let's see. Uh, low watermark. Thank you very much, good sir. Uh, over on Streamlabs. Thank you very much for circumventing YouTube, who takes a giant 30% cut of, of most things. Uh, but hey. Not when it's through Streamlabs. Says, Hail Odin. Low watermark. Thank you very much, good sir, for your incredible generosity. Always very generous, man. Uh, so seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. All right, back into the chat. We got Bryant Barth in the chat. What is going on? Thank you very much for being here. Uh, Mo, what's going on, Mo? 
Uh, Jahas, what's going on? General Wingster, I got your delivery the other day. I finally got to watch Edge of Tomorrow f- uh, in full. Really fun film. Hey, yeah, congratulations on winning the giveaway there. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a surprisingly good movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Or as I like to say, Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, Die, Repeat slash whatever it is that you want to call it. Because it's a movie that had the worst marketing. Some of the worst marketing probably for any movie. And I say that not because of it objectively being bad, but when you look at the movie and then you look at how it was marketed, there's such a massive disconnect. That's what makes it bad, right? Because marketing should make you want to go see a movie, whereas the marketing for the movie ultimately made people say, I don't want to see this. I do not care about this. This looks really stupid. This looks really silly. And then what you ended up getting was a great film, a great sci-fi film, uh, great acting as well, from both Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise, despite what anyone's opinions on those two actors might be. They gave great performances in the movie, and the story is really solid to boot. And it ended up doing uh, very well as it continued to be, again, more people saw it later on. Um, Still didn't make quite enough for it to be, you know, any type of box office success, but on its post-theatrical, it did very well on Blu-ray, did very well in 4K, and it's continuing to do well to the point where I know that they, at least at one point uh, in the past, did Greenlight, a sequel. I don't know exactly the state of that sequel, but I, I know that it was greenlit at one point, um, or at least was being talked about. But uh, yeah, uh, Jahas, what's going on? He tagged to say, "Have you watched Dungeon and Dragons?" I've not. I, I know I've heard a lot of really good things from a lot of people on it. I just don't have any interest in it. The, the trailers do not intrigue me whatsoever, and I have no connection to the Dungeons and Dragons universe because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before. So it's a movie where it's like maybe I'll see it at some point. But ultimately, when I think about, do I want to go see Dungeons and Dragons or would I rather rewatch John Wick Chapter Four in theaters? I would rather rewatch John Wick Chapter Four, to be honest. Uh, Cthulhu says, I saw Tetris after Midnight's Edge recommendation, and it was really enjoyable for a based on movie, except for the ending. Might be worth watching. Yeah, my wife and I, because uh, my wife is a big fan of Ted Lasso, and and I like it too. I think it's it's pretty fun for the most part. Some things in there are you know kind of like, Ugh, but. You know, for the most part, it's actually pretty fun. And uh, the characters are, are really great and well-written. But I saw that Tetris is on on, on Apple TV. So uh, that's that's on my list of things to watch on there. Uh, and yeah, hearing that they recommended it, and I know that some other uh, channels have also recommended it too. So definitely interested in, in checking that out in the future. Great Wuda says, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, greater than Spider-Man 3. Ooh, that's a tough one. Great Wuda. That's a tough one. That kind of picks up on a conversation that we were having either last stream or in the last few streams. And uh, because ultimately when we think about bad Spider-Man movies, those are definitely like the two that come up. Because uh, both the main Spider-Man 1 and 2 aren't that great. 2 is by far worse than 1. And then in the Spider-Man original trilogy with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 3 is universally understood to be just terrible. But man, I'm actually going to say... And this is how I come to the conclusion. I think Spider-Man 3 is better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. And it's for one reason. I can watch Spider-Man 3 and laugh because of how bad it is. You know, the the emo Peter Parker, Bully Maguire, like a lot of, uh, most of Bully Maguire stuff. If you know anything about Bully Maguire, you know what I'm talking about. I'm able to watch that and enjoy it because of how bad it is. Whereas with Amazing Spider-Man 2, it's just not good. And it's not even laughably bad. So, yeah, that that's that's where I would have the distinction between those two. Fedigator, what's going on? He says, "Hail, I have a sense that the Nintendo Cinematic Universe is going to crush Disney Pixar. I think it, I think it might. 
So, you know, as you all know, I have a bet right now with Jeremy from Gamers about whether or not the upcoming Super Mario Brothers film is going to make a billion dollars. If it does, I have to eat pineapple on pizza, which I don't want to do. If it doesn't, he has to eat pineapple on pizza, which he doesn't want to do. And even though I still hold firm that I don't think the film is going to make a billion, it's still going to do well. I've never denied that. I think it's going to be an incredibly successful movie. I just think it's going to get into the eight to nine hundred million dollar range versus the billion dollar range. But you make up a good, you actually break up a good point, and I would agree with you. I think the universe that's going to be set up by this movie is going to ultimately become more successful. I mean, if you look at what you know, the Despicable Me, right? Because you know that the movie I'm going to be using in the comparisons for when Super Mario Brothers comes out because it's going to have a very similar opening, or at least it's projected to, is going to be that of Minions, The Rise of Gru. Haven't seen the film. Don't know if it's any good. Obviously, it's like the fifth film in the franchise or whatever, so I, I typically am not a fond of those. But that movie did better than anyone had expected it to do, right? It made over $950 million worldwide. So I looked at that film, and I think, okay, I think that that is going to be kind of the span of where I think Super Mario Bros. is going to fall. But... Because of that, that means it's going to have been successful, it's going to have made mass profits, and it's going to set them up to continue to expand that universe. And I think future installments have a have a decent chance of at least one of them hitting the billion dollars. And, um, you know, some people might also ask, like, why am I kind of, like, so firm on me not thinking it's going to hit a billion? And it comes down to this, too. A animated movie has not hit a billion dollars since 2019. The last billion dollar... Fun fact, the last billion dollar animated feature was Frozen 2 back in 2019. Now, obviously, we've had the pandemic. We, we've had a run of bad movies from Disney. and Okay, fact still remains. We haven't had that movie. Now, could, could Super Mario Brothers be that movie? Sure, it could happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, and so obviously if I'm wrong, not only is there going to be egg on my face, there's going to be pineapple pizza in my, in my mouth and in my stomach. And I will be forever sad by that fact, but I still have enough confidence. I still have enough confidence to think it's going to do really well. I don't think it's going to make a billion. And again, it's because of the historical standard that it has not happened since 2019 of an animated film hitting a billion dollars. This is the first, really the, really the first film of this entire universe to exist. Obviously, you could talk about the live action one from the 90s, but let's let's be honest, that one really doesn't count. So it's a brand new franchise. And so I think because of that, you're gonna have some crossover. Because the mistake I think some people are making is hey, well, you know, Super Mario Brothers is a is a very valuable game. Uh, the amount of people who have played Mario in some form or fashion is very high. Yes, all that's true, but that does not transfer automatically into people buying tickets. How do I know this? Look to any video game adaptation. You look at the number of games sold by the Mortal Kombat franchise. As much as I love the Mortal Kombat film from the 1990s, guess what? I bet you could look and see how many people had bought and played those Mortal Kombat games and see, oh, not as many people actually went to go see the film. There's different demographics. They reach out to different people. So that's why I'm still standing by that um, as being... You know, there. Uh, Father Luca, I saw 1955 and I had to light this up. Yeah, I have never experienced a pre-55 Holy Week, but I've heard I've heard amazing things about it, and I've seen some videos, and again, there's so much rich, rich symbolism in the pre-55 Holy Week. So I, I really hope and pray that one day 
Um, there is a revival. You know, we've seen the revival, but obviously the restrictions have made it a lot more difficult. But I would love, I would love to see um, a church nearby be able to to get a revival of of the pre fifty five Holy Week. Would love for the FSSP to set up here somewhere. Uh, let's see. General Wingster says, before you start your Holy Week tomorrow, don't forget to celebrate the holiest of holidays today and slap a fool. No. How dare you? Uh, J.S. Pena, not relevant, but I want your opinion on this. What are your thoughts on the left saying that religious people are just as preachy as they are? Well, it's it's also, it's clearly not true. Now, granted, there are, are there some religious people that can be as preachy as, as them? Sure. But in general, no. I, I would say the vast majority of religious people are not the same. And it comes down to the fact that the vast majority of religious people, for one, and I think this is the most important thing, all right? The left, if they hate you and they don't like your opinion or thought, will try to cancel you. If most Christians don't like what you have to say, they will ignore you, pray for you, block you, but not actively try to cancel you, for the most part. The only time that Christians are ever activated, for the most part, to actually go out and try to cancel people is if it's because the people are doing something that they believe to be, and sometimes and usually it is, uh, detrimental and harmful to society, to their kids, or to something like that. Whereas for the left, it, it's, it's again, it's more, of, it's more of a cult mentality. But yeah, that would be my thought on that. Because again, are there some people that can fall into that same boat? For sure. But for the most part, no. Uh, Keck44, what's going on? Sherry Allen, what is going on, Sherry Allen? Thanks for being here. Laura says, you plan to see Dungeons & Dragons. Again, I, I maybe. Uh, it's one of those things where, will I watch it at some point? Maybe. Um, but the, again, as far as films that I want to see in theaters go, I'm going to go see the Mario Brothers film because I am intrigued by it, and I'll, I'll be able to tell from that. If the film is blowing me, if the film blows me away, and I'm just like, this is this is a phenomenal movie, then at that point I might say, hey, I've already made the bet, so I can't back out on that. But if the film is amazing, maybe there is going to be a, a path for me to see a billion dollars. But at this point, I can't see it. Um, but other than that movie, and then the other anticipated films that I've mentioned uh, previously, yeah. Oswald says, All Fool's Day sounds like a movie that needs to be made. Oh, don't say that, because it's going to be made by the same people that did Valentine's Day and New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or whatever. You know, the, you know, the holiday movies which are always terrible. Uh, Laura then says, you know you have gravitas when you steal the scene just eating soup. Exactly, Laura, exactly. I know what you're talking about. I, I, I know, I understand that John Wick reference. Matt R., what's going on? Matt R., thank you very much for being in the chat. Uh, over on Rumble, Kinkane Rumsky had to say, if you lose the Mario bet and then enjoy the pineapple pizza, will you hate yourself? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I know I'm not going to. I know I know I'm not going to enjoy it, and it really comes down to this. I don't like pineapple, so it's not even that I don't like pineapple on pizza specifically. I also just don't like pineapple, so I know I already know it's going to probably make me gag uh, because that I I have a texture um, issue with with certain things, but uh, I'll be more I'll be more upset and angry, and not really with myself, but more with society. For allowing a movie like that to make a billion dollars, again, not because it's gonna, not because it's bad. I haven't seen it, so I can't say for sure. But I mean, come on. There's other films that probably deserve a billion dollars more. Uh, the right news says uh, Two Buck Tuesdays were the thing back in the mid '80s. Saw Back to the Future and Breakfast Club on a Two Buck Tuesday in eighteen, or rather, nineteen eighty-five. Good times. Yeah, again, the Discount Tuesday has been around for a long time. Um, but in modern terms, like th that's the reason why that's the case. 
Uh, Rabdi says, did you hear that Warner Brothers has already announced that Shazam 2 is coming to 4K Blu-ray on April? Oh, yeah. I mean, they were they had already announced it being on digital. Um, I think it's going to be on digital either the same day or before. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear that they've recognized that that film is an is an insane flop. Uh, Jeremy Scazzi, every time Clancy Brown spoke his lines in John Wick Chapter 4, I keep saying the words to myself, that's Lex Luthor. I mean, he was phenomenal. He honestly was so great in the film. And one of my favorite parts is at the very end. Uh, so again, it's in the title of the video, so I'm not going to give too many warnings about it, but you know, we'll talk some spoilers about John Wick Chapter 4. But in the end, when there's the final duel uh, between John Wick and uh, and the French big bad in the film, Everything that he does, everything that Clancy Brown does is just so cool. There's so much rich symbolism in John Wick of so many different cultures, but there's especially a a Christian religious uh, culture. In fact, one of them, I think, is actually very prominent in the, uh, again, this is how much I enjoyed John Wick Chapter 4. Again, responding to the fact that there are some people, apparently EFAP didn't like it. I know that the Salty Nerd crew didn't like it. I loved it, and I loved it so much that I actually went out and bought this. So what this is, is a it's a beautiful box set, and it is, obviously, it looks just like a book, right? You would think, oh, it's, it's a book. It's in Russian. But this is what I'm talking about. This is a John Wick collection, all right? The front cover, see that? That is the Blessed Virgin Mary right there. Yep. And how do I know that? Because it is very much iconic imagery of Our Lady, and who is she standing over, standing on? Snakes. So, I look to this, and some people might be able to like look at it further and deeper and say, well, it's actually this or it's that. But looking at it, it's like very clearly imagery of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it's, it's being, I would say, very respectful of, of it. And obviously, when imagery like this is used, if it's being respectful, that's already a huge win. And that's one thing I like about John Wick is that all the imagery that they use that is Christianity-influenced is usually something that they are, are treating uh, respectfully for the most part. Um, there is in John Wick chapter three, the sequence where he needs, he wants to tear his ticket with his family and it's a rosary and she, you know, pulls the cross off the rosary and stuff, but it's not like she throws it on the ground or anything like that. So I think that for using it for what it is, I think that they do it pretty, pretty respectfully. But anyway, so in this set, right, you open it up and it looks like a book. So it's got pages. All of this, by the way, is in Russian, which I think is a very nice touch. But then you flip all the way to the back and look at that. You've got yourself hidden in the book, uh, all of the films. So first off, you do get two pictures. So you get the famous, iconic John Wick with his wife, Helen. And then also this one, John Wick with the puppy, which breaks my heart every single time I, I look at it. But then you also got the steelbooks, which all look beautiful and look just phenomenal. And uh, yeah, so here's John Wick chapter one and then John Wick chapter two in red. And then three is in gold. And so, obviously, this is a set, too, that, you know, if no one buys it, it's going to become very cheap down the line. But it's a one of these Best Buy, Best Buy exclusives, and so I have a pretty high confidence that it's going to be one that, you know... And by the way, the films are so good that I think it's... it's I justify... <laughs> I justify buying it. As a collector, I, I completely justify buying it. Um, but that's how much I enjoyed chapter chapter four. It made me want to rewatch all of the three, uh, you know, the, the first three films. And then when I was watching them, I realized that, oh, the first two movies, this was before 4K became a lot more accessible. So I, I bought the steelbooks when they came out, but it was the Blu-ray steelbooks. And so I was like, okay, I, I want to upgrade these films to 4K anyway. 
And so, um, and so I ended up buying it so that I could have that, you know, just the higher quality. And there's also some special features on this too, that I can't wait to dive into. And, uh, that's how much I enjoyed John, John Wayne chapter four. I thought it was just so good and, you know, getting to a major spoiler. So a major spoiler, I will give this one a, a bit of a warning because it's probably the biggest spoiler. That's why when people on Friday night tights were hearing us talk about it last week and we're saying you're spoiling everything. I was like, we're talking about certain fight sequences and that's not really plot stuff, right? It would be a spoiler if we had said this, this is a major spoiler. All right. At the end of the film, John Wick dies. This is not an April Fool's joke, by the way. This is actually what happens. So as I said, they have this final duel. And what he does is during the final shot, he allows uh, the blind monk character, played by Donnie Yen. That's how I always describe his blind characters. The blind monk character uh, to shoot him. And he does this so that he doesn't fire his gun because he has a good understanding that the French big bad has such an ego on him that he is going to want to have the final shot. He's going to want to to finish him off. And sure enough, what happens? He steps in, and what happens? John Wick says, "Like you idiot," I, you know, or either sorry, Clancy Brown's character says, "Like, what are you, an idiot? Yeah, he never fired." And sure enough, boom, right in the head, kills the big bad, but he is fatally wounded and injured. Goes down the steps and and then dies in a beautiful way with the final words on his mouth being Helen. And then they show you the grave and it says, you know, loving husband, which is what he had talked about earlier in the film. So I thought that because of that moment and because of how they decided to end it for them becomes just a beautiful uh, tribute to the character and actually a very beautiful send off. Some people, and again, I can see why I'm not saying that this won't happen. Think that John Wick is still alive because they, they look at the way that the characters at the end are acting that they, they don't seem too sad, they're more laughing, and so is it that they maybe know something that, that other people don't know? I look at it and I think to myself, look, we know John Wick is coming back, he's going to be in the ballerina film, uh, because it takes place between 3 and 4, and even that was kind of a sign too, because it's like, wait, why are they trying to make it very clear that this happens between chapters 3 and 4? Oh, because of what happens at the end of chapter 4. So... I, I, I looked at that and I think, okay, he's still going to be around in that in that capacity and in that way. But I think four films is enough. I think four films is actually a perfect amount. Now, again, they, could they go on and could they continue to make these awesome action films? Absolutely. But because the universe they built is so rich, they don't need John Wick in that universe to make compelling stories and, and, and to tell uh, and to build compelling characters. Because I think John Wick with four films focused on him was able to do that, right? He was able to to go from beginning to end and was able to have this arc, was able to have this this driving force, and I think it has this great conclusion. If they were to, in John Wick 5, you know, if they do a John Wick 5 or a John Wick 6, like, properly named as such, again, I think that when they people say, well, John Wick 5 has already been greenlit, okay, just because a studio is saying that does not mean that in their mind they're like, okay, Keanu Reeves is coming back to be John Wick 5 in a movie taking place right after the events of this movie. It could mean, oh no, they're continuing the franchise and they're going to change the naming scheme later on, uh, maybe waiting to see how Ballerina does, for instance, or they're going to uh, do something else to, to a certain extent. I think bringing him back anytime soon, if at all, would be the bad move because then it takes the emotional weight out of that ending and that emotional weight, I think, needs to be there in order for the film to kind of remain and, and to retain its authenticity. Um, again, that, that's just kind of where I, uh, 
you know, fall into it. Uh, Paul, that it breaks my heart to hear that, man. Um, you know, cause I, I, I know a lot of people who, who left because of that, but I always want to say, you know, when it comes down to it, do you abandon Christ because of Judas? You know, and again, I'm not trying to go after you specifically, specifically or anyone else, but that's kind of the mindset of individual members acted in a, a atrocious manner, but that doesn't change what the church is. That doesn't change the body of Christ. That doesn't change the spiritual body that exists. And so do you forsake Christ because of Judas? That That's where I would, uh, you know, go with that one. Again, that's an oversimplification. I'm not trying to go after anybody, but whenever I see that, it always breaks my heart. And that's typically where I where I go with it. Uh, Victor Fontaine tends to say, totally agree. I can watch Edge of Tomorrow over and over. It's so good. And I, and I appreciate also some of the humor there because of the, <laughs> because of the concept of the movie. Uh, Reaper08 says, guess from your stance on D&D, we will be seeing you proudly display that Best Buy Steelbook then. Just got John Wick for what? It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if I'm already, I would have to, one, go see the film. And then, two, I would have to be blown away by the movie. And I, I just do not see that happening. Right. Even though I know and I respect a lot of the people who are coming back with positive reactions and reviews of the film. It's a film where it's even if I did enjoy it, it, it I, I just I know myself. Um, I just know that it would not be enough uh, to, to be able to motivate me to actually want to buy it. Maybe like a few years ago when I was buying a lot more. Now I'm, I'm a lot more selective with the things that that I buy. Coliseum Builders, your wager has a paradox. If you put pineapple on pizza, you no longer have pizza. Ergo, it is impossible to eat uh, to eat pi- to eat pizza with pineapple on it. Coliseum Builders, uh, actually, you know what? Coliseum Builders, that that is a great statement. That is deep. That is reflective, and I appreciate it much more than you could ever possibly realize. And it's it's a true. It's a factual statement. Is pineapple pizza really pizza? It's a great point. Uh, Brightburn1985 says, I think the more people who learn about Ezra Miller's behavior in real life, the more people will turn off the Flash film. And I think, too, some people are overestimating the impact of Michael Keaton's Batman. Is it going to bring some people out? Sure. But look at the current state of the DCEU. Look at the current state of the MCU. It doesn't look good. The film would have to be good. The film would have to be even, you know, not even just good, probably great if it was going to have any chance of being a financial hit or a financial success, especially if we are to believe some of the rumors about how much more money they spent on the film. We don't know. We don't know. The only budget that has been given to us is, is one that sounds like a, a typical budget, right? The 150 to $200 million range. But we've seen this get updated before, right? Solo. This is the example I always give. Solo originally had a budget of around 150 to 200 million but they fired, right? Kathleen Kennedy fired Lord and Miller, brought on Ron Howard, reshot a huge portion of the film, and then guess what? That projected budget got upped and readjusted to like $280 million or so. And then the film ended up being a massive $100 million flop because of that. So I'm going to wait for the actual budget to get adjusted before I, I do anything with people saying, oh, the film needs to make a billion dollars to break even. We don't know that yet. We don't have actual data to support that other than speculation um, or rumors, right? Rumors in that some have said, oh, we know X amount of things because people have told me. I don't buy into rumors. I'm not saying that the people who 
report on the rumors or untrustworthy or that they're bad people. I'm just saying I don't take a lot of stock in them. And then two, speculation, right? Oh, we know they've done a lot of massive reshoots. Therefore, I'm going to speculate that that means the budget has to have climbed by X amount of money. In most budgets, there is money set aside for reshoots. Now, it seems that based on the reporting that there are uh, a lot more than just the typical reshoots for this movie, which is why I, I would not be surprised if that number gets adjusted. But I will wait for that to happen before, you know, going anywhere else with it. But yeah, I don't think the film is going to do well. I really don't. Uh, Brian Barth, The Ten Commandments airing on ABC. Nice. Very nice. Keck44, what is going on? Welcome. Miss Minnesota fan says, got done watching Top Gun Maverick and I loved it. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. And it's it's a film where I, I know from having watched it with my wife, it, it still holds up even at home. That's how I know it's a good movie. That's how I know it wasn't just visual effects. It wasn't just the the IMAX experience, you know, taking me away. It was no, it, it's it's just a darn good movie. Great Wuda says, I'm boycotting the Mario movie because I want Jeremy to eat pineapple pizza. Not you. Oh, Great Wuda, well, thank you, man. Here, if you want to go watch it, though, go see it. I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade anyone from going to see the film if they genuinely want to go see it. Right? If you don't care one way or the other, then then uh, I'd rather you not see it. But <laughs> if you want to go see it, yeah, don't don't not see it for my sake. Right. <laughs> Though I definitely appreciate the uh, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Kikin Rumsky says over on Rumble, Strange Brew holds up on VHS as well. Nice. That's a film that I have not yet seen, um, but obviously I've heard a lot about it. John Phillips, what is going on? Welcome. Yeah, and again, uh, I think that when it comes to uh, Catholic imagery and Catholic art that is most appreciated, it's typically from the much more traditional. Uh, patrimonies from the much more traditional liturgies um you know obviously there's a lot of beauty in eastern orthodox uh iconography but you get that even within eastern catholic because again the eastern part is is what's beautiful it's the cultural impact that's what's beautiful not necessarily the you know the denomination let's see mike jackson what is going on brian barth instead of eating pineapple pizza why not watch a david lynch movie oh oh no i don't know which would be more torture for me uh, Sherry Allen, I'm good. Thank you. How's the family? Family's doing great. Uh, Baby Thor had a pretty good day today, and uh, the Lady Freya is doing well. We're about, uh, I think we're fully through now the first trimester. Um, the next uh, ultrasound, uh, you just keep my wife in, in, in your prayers. I'd appreciate it. The next ultrasound, I believe, is scheduled for this coming week. So we should be able to see how, how Baby Girl is developing. And thank you all for your support with with baby girl and for any uh, prayers you've been able to say. Cthulhu says, huge quotes around the assumption that John Wick dies. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I hope that what I said kind of iterates why I think he he is actually gone. Um, because again, in retrospect, it would make John Wick 4 a little bit more difficult to watch. Because I think that that's what helps really, I think, temper and, and, and help bring down a little bit that... Uh, Again, the emotional weight and the emotional journey that you see as a thread in all of these movies finds its ultimate conclusion in this moment. It would take away from that moment, right? It, it, to me, it would be like what they did with Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3 is a perfect ending. It is the perfect ending to that story. And when Toy Story 4 came out, even when they announced it, I said, okay, this is going to ruin it because you had a perfect ending. You had a perfect conclusion. And then they decided we want more money. We're going to ram this thing through. And then they ended up making a terrible film in Toy Story 4 that taught terrible messages to kids. 
And now, now we're in the position where a film like Lightyear loses a hundred plus million dollars. Uh, let's see. Orange Hat says Winston said that Odin, not the Harbinger. Which part? Which thing? I, I've I've forgotten where I am now. Uh, Orange Hat Review says if they do a John Wick five, they would have to do a prequel and call it John Wick Prologue. Um, or they could do, uh, they could theoretically do a John Wick epilogue where it features all of the people that we have at the end of the film, you know, and it kind of concludes some of those, those extra storylines. Um, and it, it surrounds, you know, certain elements, you know, John Wick is felt, but not visibly present. But, uh, yeah, I think that would be probably better versus anything else. Rob D says, I always thought that four films was the perfect amount of films for one series. After that, you're going to have movies that are not as high quality as, as the others in the series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that John Wick, uh, John Wick, I, I think that three is probably the best for, for most series, but I do think that four works very well for, for this series because each film was able to add on to the film that came beforehand. Um, and I think because of that, four works very well for this, but for other franchises, you know, three could work, two could work. Right. Whereas you look at other franchises like uh, the fast and furious and you're like, Oh boy, they should have ended that one at six. That's one where actually I was enjoying it up until six, six was the last one that I enjoyed seven sucked. And then everything from that point on has sucked. Then Antos Felicitas, what is going on? It says the best dungeon crawling movie is the Goonies a small group into a maze with trap. Hey, that's a good point. John A. Douglas, what is going on? Roger G in the chat. Captain Canada in the chat as well. Uh, appreciate you very much. Uh, Tad's girl, what is going on? So it just came from the uh, from Chaldean Palm Sunday. Oh, interesting. I don't know much about the uh, Chalde- Chaldean liturgy. Orange Reviews says they literally show him die on the steps. How is this even debated? Honestly, the book of Wick would be best to end here. Continue the universe, sure, but not with Wick. His story ended well. Again, I perfect. Yes, absolutely, Orange Chat. I think his story ended perfectly, and I don't think it should. I don't think it should try to be revived. As I said, I think it would kind of destroy what Four does. And I agree. You know, I think it's very clear, right? Um, but I think the mindset that most people have, and it's not a bad like the people who are saying that they don't think he's dead. I think are coming from a good place. Because I, I would not be surprised if most people who think he's still alive have the mindset, well, the studio still wants to make money. And that might be true. But in this universe, it seems that, especially with someone like Keanu Reeves, um, who, who loves his character so much, and has said that you know he will continue to play this character for as long as, as they continue to write good scripts. I don't know. I just feel like the people involved are the kind of people that would actually put their foot down. They would say, yeah, we know that you want to make a lot of money, but we can't do it with this character. Um, so that's why I do think that it likely is going to be the end. And also, as I said, they, John Wick's not over because Ballerina occurs before this. So John Wick will come and make an appearance. How much involvement he has in that film, I don't know, but he is going to be involved. And so I, I think that that is going to probably be uh, I think that would be the best thing to go forward. It would lo- I would love to see them build the John Wick universe with other characters, with other storylines that can even be directly associated. Again, you could do an entire film about Donnie Yen's character 
And hey, I understand because uh, I know I'm probably going to get the people in the chat who always like to remind me. And hey, I will be always open to criticize people when they do terrible things. You know, Donnie Yen is a sympathizer and supporter of the Communist Party of China. And that is something that he deserves to be called out for. However, that also does not take away the fact that the dude can fight, that the dude uh, can can uh, play a great character on screen. And the character of Kane in the film is a great character. And he plays it very, very well. Again, some people can separate art from the artist. I try to the best of my ability to be able to do that. Some people can't. And again, I respect you if you can't do that. Um, but again, I think it's a valid criticism to bring up about him, but still they could make an entire film about Donnie Yen's character. And I think that based off of kind of getting, continuing the spoilers. So after the credits, right, there's the post-credit sequence and it shows the daughter of, and I, I don't, don't remember all the characters names, but it shows the daughter of the guy who ran the Osaka continental. And, uh, she is walking towards Kane's, you know, the, the character played by Donnie Yen, Kane who is with flowers. He's been freed because of the action of John Wick. And again, that's the reason why I think the ending works and it would be terrible for them to try to take it back in any way. But because he sacrificed himself, he allowed for Kane's character to be free from the high table for him to be able to return and, and actually interact with his daughter. Uh, again, that, that, uh, that aspect of family is such an important concept within John Wick, but also especially in this movie too. A lot of, uh, especially a lot of father-daughter relationships, which, I, again, I, I like that dynamic that they uh, presented. But the uh, it shows the daughter of the, the the head of the Osaka Continental who was killed by Kane, who was killed by Donnie Yen's character, getting and seeking revenge, or rather seeking it. Pulls out a knife, walks towards him, cuts. And that, I thought, was also a brilliant ending because it also leaves open. Okay, John Wick 5 could then be, again, set in the John Wick universe, but instead it's a focus on Donnie Yen. It's a focus on the daughter of, of the head of the Osaka Continental. There are so many things that they can do with this universe because of the lore building, because of how much they have built the story. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they uh, what they do with this going forward. I, I think that based on what we've seen, I have a lot of confidence. But obviously, could they make a bad movie? Sure. Ballerina, for all we know, could be a bad movie. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Cthulhu, thank you for the $2. Super chat says, agree with you, but sadly, money talks. Yeah, again, I think that's referring to uh, John Wick being uh, dead or, you know, uh, John Wick not being dead. And I agree, money does talk, but not always. There are times when a franchise is over and they, they keep it over. Or if they continue it, they adapt it, right? And again, I think picking up off of where the end credit scene goes, I think that is the most logical way to go forward. And I think it would be the best way to continue the franchise by also respecting uh, the the events of the uh, the previous movie. You know? So, yes, context is always very important. Uh, Winston told the Marquis that Wick never fired a shot. Oh, that's right. Orange chat. Good shout. I've only seen the film once, so... Thank you very much for, for that correction. But yes, yes, you are correct. Uh, so Winston's the one that tells the Marquis uh, who's trying to kill him. It's like, you idiot. <laughs> he never shot. See, I can be wrong. And I always appreciate y'all keeping me honest like that. Uh, Justin with the red shirt. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Alex McCarthy says, give me John Wick chapters five, six, and so on and crossover with Fast and Furious. You would say that, Alex McCarthy. 
you lover of all things terrible. General Wingster, John Wick in space, space, space. Yes. Uh, Orange Shadow is a member, says, after John Wick 4 releases on digital and physical, I will be doing a weekly Wick discussion stream. The universe is so deep that it can be discussed for hours. Agreed. And I, I think the rumor is, um, I know it was reported that the original cut of John Wick 4 was well over three hours long, like three and a half or so. And the rumor that um, some people, more of a speculation, that's the better term. Speculation is they will put the, and then maybe they'll even call it the John Wick cut or the Keanu Reeves cut or something like that, that they're going to release the the uh, full length version that they originally had, which I am very excited for because if it includes not just more action, but especially more uh, world building and things like that, oh boy, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, Orange Hat Reviews says, when she extended that blade, it may have cut there, but someone like Kane, he would have heard it and knew he was in danger. Yeah, and that's why I think it would be best for them in the next film to not pick up directly from that moment. Some people might think, oh no, they should, they should pick up right there. I would actually like it if they decided to go back to give a little bit more character building and uh, character development to Kane. Um, or something to that effect. And then that way, maybe at the halfway point, you finally catch up with John Wick chapter four and you get to that moment and then you have whatever's going to happen. Because if you open it up with that, that final sequence of them walking towards each other and then immediately it's Kane hears it and Kane defends it. I don't know. It, it kind of takes same thing, right? It kind of takes away from the intensity of that, of that moment, you know? Uh, over on Rumble, Kinkane Rumshki says, if John Wick does come back in, it can only be to drag race Vin Diesel. Oh my goodness. Y'all and your referencing to <laughs> Fast and Furious. Again, I, I like Fast and Furious up until number six. But anyway, let's go ahead and also talk about some numbers. Let's get into the box office. So first off, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves doing much better than what had been originally expected. The film so far on its first Friday grows $15.3 million. That's including its Thursday numbers. John Wick Chapter 4 dropped to the number two spot, dropping 73% Friday to Friday, which again, pretty standard for big films like that to have massive drops. The film is still projected to do pretty well in its second weekend. $7.8 million, making it over $100 million domestically. And then His Only Son, which I did finally watch some of the trailer for it, not my cup of tea, uh, does tell the story of Abraham and Isaac from the Bible, though. Uh, made $2.1 uh, $2 million, released at about 1,900 screens. So a, a decent per theater ratio, but I've definitely seen better, especially for, for faith-based movies. Uh, but still, in the top three, nonetheless. Now, some of the things I want to talk about when it comes to this. First off, Dungeons & Dragons, right now, they are now projecting the film to get to $40 million. The original projections had it closer to 30 to 35. So they are now expecting the film, because it's pacing better than they had thought, to be able to hit $40 million. Here's the biggest issue, though, with the movie. It costs $150 million to make. That means that the film has to make well over $300 million for it to break even. 2.5 times that budget is typically the break even. Some have it as much as three times the budget, in which case the film needs to make, what, roughly 400 to $500 million to break even? And though $40 million is better than 30, it is not enough to be able to see it having the legs to pull off that kind of money worldwide. 
Now, these are just the domestic numbers, and so that's why tomorrow, when we do the box office breakdown, I'll be able to give further context, because if the film is doing incredibly well internationally, okay, then we're starting to see a, a potential of the film to be able to make its money back. At this point, though, even though it's doing better than projected, and even though it's getting a lot of high praise, it is still not quite, uh, not quite there. So... Uh, by the way, I just saw this bit of news right here. This is... I didn't hear about this. Oh, no! Well, that... 48 years old. Oh, my goodness. Christo uh, Jikoff, who was in The Passion of the Christ, he played John. Oh, my goodness. Actor-producer, known for his starring role as John in 2004, Passion of the Christ, died last night after a long battle with cancer. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. I had no idea he was battling cancer. 48 years old. My goodness. Says, when I play John, the Passion of the Christ, he was expected to be involved in long running. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's that's sad. That that makes me sad. It's sad, obviously, when anyone passes, but I know that... Oh, man. Because I'm actually watching the film with my classes right now, so that's <laughs> that's going to bring a whole new level to to the film now. My goodness. Rest in peace, Christo Jigoff. Anyway, um, gonna try to transition back here. So I think that the domestic numbers here for Dungeons and Dragons are are proving and showing themselves to be pretty good. Um, but it'll depend on how well or not it does internationally. So that is what we're gonna have to wait and see what this film does. Because here's the thing too. This film is right now going up against the second weekend of John Wick. Seems to be doing well, at least domestically. But John Wick is still also having a pretty decent domestic weekend. It's expected to make around $30 million in its second weekend numbers. I think that's going to be, what, a 65, 59-65% to, to drop. So a, a decent drop for the film. But hey, Super Mario Brothers is coming out this week early. I believe it's coming out this Wednesday. And so you are going to have this take up all of those premium format screens. And that means you're only going to have those 2D screens left for this movie, for Dungeons & Dragons. And I think that that's where it's ultimately going to uh, probably fall away rather quickly. So it could still do well, but that $150 million budget is, I think, going to be its, its main Achilles heel. Going into some of the numbers here, though, they are projecting Dungeons & Dragons to make around $40 million dollars. Whereas Jumbo Chapter 4 is expected to make 28.3, which would be a 62% drop. So obviously this number could still come in higher, still could, could come in lower, could come higher, closer to $30 million or so. Which would put it closer to 59%. Either way, a very strong drop, a very strong hold. But we're not seeing the type of hold that we saw for a film like Top Gun Maverick, for instance. And so this film has also lost a lot of its premium format screens. And again, that obviously hurts films like this, especially longer films too. But based on those numbers... We'll have to wait where the international ones, but looking at that, it seems John Chapter 4 is in a very good position to uh, be able to not only uh, make its money back, to make some profit, but also to uh, be able to likely still be able to edge out even that of John Chapter 3 for the highest grossing film of the franchise when adjusted for inflation. But it may not happen. Again, it's in a good position to do so, but it's not guaranteed. Obviously, with the holiday coming up, with competition from things like the Mario's, uh, the Super Mario Brothers film, those are things that are going to be a lot more um, unknown. By the way, uh, Shazam continuing to uh, drop, tr tremendously dropped another 600 theaters 
dropping another 49%. Oof. So yeah, Shazam doing terribly. But here's the reason why I think Jama Chapter 4 may not be, or may not end up being the highest grossing of the John Wick franchise. If you look at these numbers, and we've done this comparison before, keep in mind the numbers when you adjust for inflation does not use the most current metrics. So that's the reason why I, I say that it probably is, is a bit closer than one might suspect. But if you look at the films, obviously John Wick Chapter 4, much more expensive, twice as expensive as the last couple of films. Um, but it is also doing very well, right? $102 million. That means it will be able to pass the domestic of John Wick Chapter 2 pretty easily. And at $195.1 million adjusted for John Wick Chapter 3, one could definitely see the possibility, the, the chance for John Wick Chapter 4 to be able to get close to that number, maybe even pass it, but at least get close to it. The real question, of course, is internationally, as it typically always is. $166.5 million right now is where the film stands um, worldwide. $64 million of that coming from the international box office. Genre Chapter 3 was able to get 178.1. We have seen a lot of these films coming out over the last year or so, even, even films that have done well internationally, not come in nearly as strong as other films in their respective franchises. Right? We saw this with a lot of the MCU films, for instance, and we're, we're still seeing it with, with other films, uh, you know, Shazam being a, a most recent example, especially. But Shazam, or rather John Wick Chapter 4, will it be able to get close to and match or exceed that of the international? That I'm not as sure of. So I still think the film is going to be probably at least a $300 million film. The question is, is it going to be enough to be a $400 million film? Right now, it's too early to tell. I'll have a much better idea tomorrow because I'll have my metrics. I'll be able to give you the minimum amount that it'll make if it has bad legs, the maximum amount to make if it has really good legs, not excellent or amazing or chart-breaking legs, but, but good legs nonetheless. And I'll have that out. But right now, it seems, based on these numbers, that it's doing well enough to be able to at least match or get close to matching that of Parabellum maybe even surpassing it. But here's the reason why I'm not as confident about it surpassing. Look at these numbers. So again, these are numbers that are not using the most the most up-to-date uh, the most up-to-date inflation numbers. Even with that being the case, look at the first Monday. All right, Jama chapter 3 edges out chapter 4 every single day. Not by a whole lot, but still edges it out up until uh, up until Friday where the Friday numbers come in. But notice, 7.5 versus 7.8. There's not a huge difference. Notice also, because it did better, even though slightly, throughout the week, at the same point in release right now, John Wick is at 102.5. John Wick 3 was at 94.9. So because of these numbers, and again, look at, that, uh, look at the weekend numbers. Look at the second Monday numbers, all right? Because of that, I think you will probably end up seeing Jomic 3 and 4 probably end up going back and forth with their totals. And I think the runtime of Jomic 4 might ultimately keep it from being able to edge out that of Jomic Chapter 3 based off of what I'm seeing right now. Again, we have to wait for the Saturday and Sunday numbers to come in. But as of right now, I think the film is set to make its money back, to be profitable, to be successful. But do I think it's going to hit to get to $400 million? Right now, I don't see that happening based off of the numbers that I'm seeing. It's not tracking enough ahead of John Wick Chapter 3 for me to think that. We, of course, will see. That is just the domestic numbers. 
We have to wait for those international numbers to come in. Either way, though, John Fanet 4 absolutely is doing very well. It has been very well received. Many people are seeing this multiple times. It's got that support behind it. The pre-sales are already available for a lot of the physical media. I know that I've already bought myself, um, pre-ordered some of the 4K, the early 4K releases for 4 and I cannot wait for, for it to be available. But these are the numbers as they currently stand. So doing very, very well. So again, just as a recap, Dungeons & Dragons doing better than expected, but with a $150 million uh, budget, has a long way to go. So it essentially has to be carried by the international market, which it could. I believe this film did get a, a China release. Um, so it, it will have that. Um, or at, least, at least I think it did. If it didn't, I'm thinking of uh, Super Mario Brothers. And that could also, Super Mario Brothers getting a China release could also end up being the, the mega break there. Um, so yes, this film does get a China release also, uh, according to the numbers. So nothing being reported from that country yet. But those, again, could ultimately make the difference. Right now, all we're getting is the domestic. International, we typically don't get until those Sunday updates come in. As you can see, only $92,000 has been reported so far. And we know it's made, that, it's made more than that internationally. So we will see. We will see. But anyway, let's go ahead and get back into the chat. Thank you again all for being here. And just as a reminder, if anyone is joining in now, we've already talked mostly about the, the, the John Wick spoilers that I wanted to talk about. Uh, but John Wick spoilers absolutely are fair game as the film has now been out in its, it's going into its second weekend. So I cannot protect you. All right, let's see. Da, 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 da. Reaper, thank you for tagging, says, pretty sure bet that D&D movie drops off a cliff by next week, never to be seen or heard from ever again. Um, yes and no, because it is going to have that competition, right? It's going to continue to have competition from John Wick, and it's going to have Super Mario Brothers to contend with also. And there's going to be other films that come out too, but Super, Mar Super Mario Brothers is the big one. And so, yeah, you're going to see a drop off, but the word of mouth on it has been good. That's why we're seeing a higher than expected opening weekend. If that word of mouth continues on, that's when you start to see small drops, right? Even when the even when you see every other metric indicating that there should be a massive drop off, positive word of mouth can have a very powerful effect on those numbers. So because you're going to have a lot of people off, for instance, that's going to increase the number of people going to see a film like Dungeons and Dragons on uh, you know any of the days of this week. Though, obviously, I think that people should instead focus more so on the holiest days of the year. As you all know, it is Holy Week coming up. But people off from school, off from work, they're going to want to go and do things that are fun. And for the most part, going to the films is still a lot of fun. Artistically Incredible. Time to say, what is your favorite movie that has no sequel or prequel, just a standalone film? Oh, goodness. That's a hard one because it feels like the vast majority of movies have been remade or rebooted or given a sequel or a prequel. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, Master Gaming, I heard for some people that D&D Honor Among Thieves doesn't emasculate men. Yeah, that's what I'm gathering from what people are saying is that the writers and whoever whoever the people were doing these interviews were selling the movie as something that it's not is what I'm gathering. So they claim it does, but the movie actually doesn't do it. So, again, take that with a grain of salt. But, let's see. Uh, Eric Stratton, what's going on? 
Have you used Mere Christianity in your teachings? It changed me. Uh, no, I actually haven't. It's a, it's actually a book that I've I've actually never read. I, I have it, um, and so it's, it's on my to, to read list. But yeah, I mean, C.S. Lewis, obviously a very compelling writer, a very powerful writer, and I uh, yeah, I think that it is definitely a, a very powerful one. No, for me, um, I typically don't use books for the most part uh, with the subjects that I teach. I teach morality, Catholic social teaching, so a lot of what I teach are ultimately most of them are church documents um, or are part of lesson plans that I've developed over the past several years. I do a lot of work with Thomas Aquinas's work, especially in the beginning, talking about philosophy and uh, a lot of other things that influence uh, what I talk about. Um, but yeah. Orange Reviews, who's a member, says, One would think China would give John Wick Chapter 4 an extended release as it is a global movie and the villain attacks both Japan and U.S. Uh, New York Continentals. Yeah, you, you might think that, right? Uh, but China is a very weird animal for a lot of different reasons. But, yeah. Dan Blackroy, what's going on? Physics Channel Kenny Elite, time to say, hello, Odin. Movies seem to be picking up. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely in a situation where for the next several weeks, we are going to have uh, major releases on most uh, of these weekends. In fact, I'll go ahead and pull that up right now since you mentioned it. Because let's see, uh, we obviously have Dungeons & Dragons out this week. Uh, we then have over Easter, we have the Super Mario Brothers film. We also have the film Air, which talks about the origins of Air Jordans. I could care less about that, but um, I know that there are some talented people behind the film, so I might give it a shot. But that's going to be available uh, over Easter. See, after that, you then have April 14th, which features... Uh, I don't know about Mafia Mama, but Nefarious, I know a lot of people have been asking me to talk about that. I, I Again, it's not the kind of film that I am typically drawn to, so that's why I have not talked about it. I might give it a shot, but when it comes to the demonic, uh, it's just not me. Just like Pope's Exorcist, again, not really my cup of tea. Renfield, that is one that I think could be fun, uh, so that that's one that I might end up checking out. So again, you have some, not anything major coming out April 14th, but still, that's the post-Easter weekend, so it kind of makes a little bit of sense. From there, you then have Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which I'm very excited for. Evil Dead Rise, uh, Chevalier, which seems against Fox Search Searchlight, so much more of like an indie-type movie. Um, and then after that, you've got Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, Big George Foreman, uh, Sisu. Sisu looks great. The trailers look phenomenal for that film. Then after that, you, then you start to get some really big ones. So May 5th, you get Guardians Volume 3. Obviously, I think that that film could be pretty big. Really nothing after that, which doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, then May 19th, you get Fast 10. May 26th, you get The Little Mermaid, which I think I think is going to flop. I really do. Uh, and also The Machine. Then you get Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Not too excited about that. Transformers Rise of the Beast. Don't care about that. The Flash film, June 16th. Oh, boy. Uh, not much after that weekend, which makes sense. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oof. Oof. Speaking of films I think are going to flop. Uh, slow after that. Ride in Cities 5. Joyride. Jo July 14th, my next big anticipated film for me. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I think that's going to be huge. I think it's going to be huge. Barbie, July 21st. Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Wow. Okay. That'll be an interesting box office battle. Who do you think is going to take it? I, I honestly, again... I think Oppenheimer is going to be the better film for sure. It's Nolan, but Barbie could still be big. It's got 
people like Margot Robbie in it. Uh, again, not actors themselves don't sell tickets. I've always been very consistent on that. But the property, the the marketing campaign, I think it's going to be a trash film because Greta Gerwig is the one directing it, and Greta Gerwig is trash. But doesn't change the fact that I think it's still going to do well, at least opening weekend. Um, I again, my gut thinks Oppenheimer, but I could definitely also see Barbie doing as well. Haunted Mansion remake. Oh goodness, The Meg Two. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh boy. Gran Turismo. I'm actually looking forward to that based on what I've seen. And yeah, so I guess you can see we do have some, uh, some wide releases. Definitely. Uh, basically every single week going forward. Uh, Great Wuda says, I think Mission Impossible is the only film that's going to dethrone John Wick 4 as my number one film of 2023. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be the one that has the biggest potential. Uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant is up there though. I think that film, the trailer looks great. I love Guy Ritchie films, as you'll know. Another Guy Ritchie films already in my top three or top two right now, um, between John Wick Chapter Four and uh, Operation Fortune, which was great. Roost de Guerre, I just love that film. That film, I think, actually is getting its physical media release this week. I think this Tuesday it might actually be getting its release. So very, very excited for for that. All right, let's see, Ikthulu who is a member, says, best non-sequel, prequel, I would say, pick your favorite John Candy movie. Oh, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck is one of my favorite John Candy films. A lot of people like to go with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I actually did not like that film. I did not think it was funny. I don't know. I thought Steve Martin's character was too mean. That's just me. Physics John Candy Lee, uh, who is a member, or sorry, tagged rather, and said here, bad joke incoming, Oppenheimer will nuke Barbie. I think that's actually a pretty good joke, actually. The Meg 2, interesting, yeah. Not a film I wanted a sequel to. The first film was fun. The first film, again, not something I was expecting a lot from. Didn't get a lot from it, but still ended up having fun. Jason Statham played Jason Statham, and he plays that role very well. And it's like, oi, there's a big shock. That, that's my Jason Statham. So it was fun. It wasn't good, but it was fun. Not enough for them to justify making a sequel. But hey, I know a lot of people who saw the first film who are looking for it. Alex McCarthy, I, I know you're still watching or listening. I bet you're looking forward to it. I bet you are looking forward to The Meg 2, if I had to take a guess. <laughs> uh, Kikan Rumsky over on Rumble. Did you ever watch or see SCTV or was that before your time? Yeah, that was a bit before my time. Is that like the Canadian SNL? SCTV? That might be. Is that the one that featured the likes of Rick Moranis and uh, I guess John Candy, I think, would have been a part of it too, right? Isn't that like a Canadian SNL? Yep, John Candy was in it, he says, yeah. So I, I've seen clips of it, but yeah, it was definitely before my time. Uh, Orange Air Review says, I like the books that the Meg movies are based off of. I had no idea it was actually based off of a book series. So <laughs> interesting that that is the adaptation or that is a adaptation. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. Anyway, uh, I'm caught up with the chat. So uh, I think that I'll just hang around for maybe a few more minutes, see if there's any last minute questions people have. And, and then we will uh, wrap things up. By the way, again, if you're watching, thank you again for being here. 71 people still watching on YouTube. Woof. Thank y'all. Smash that like button. Live the fire button. Watch 
if you're watching. I haven't seen anyone commenting on Odyssey, so I don't know if Odyssey is broken today or if the two people that typically watch me on Odyssey are just not available, but King Kane Rumsky, thank you very much for, for holding down the fort on Rumble as, as usual. Appreciate it. Let's see. Second City Television out of Chicago. Oh, okay. Gotcha, Ben Dowdy. But I think it, it featured mostly Canadian actors, right? Uh, Abomination. There he is. He's there. He puts the fire out there. Says, just busy. No abomination. No problem at all. I, I just happy to know that it's still, it's still happening. <laughs> You're awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Alice says, what I, what am I looking forward to? John, Re John Cena is wrestling. Oh goodness. Well, first off, Alice, Alice McCarthy, let me correct you. You can never say the words John Cena and wrestling in the same sentence. I'm sorry, dude. You can't call what he does wrestling. The five moves of doom are not wrestling. I can't believe that they actually brought him back and that there are people who are excited. People like you, Alex. Uh, Reaper, when are we going to see an Odin plays of Resident Evil 4? Never. One, I don't typically do gameplays uh, or uh, playthroughs because I'm not, I'm not a huge gamer. And two, because I actually do enjoy the Resident Evil films. But I hear that the games are just terrifying. So, yeah, not, not my thing. The only thing that you could expect me playing anytime soon would be if there's like a major update or release or DLC for Hogwarts Legacy. Because I'm still playing with that game. I, I, I have one account where I, I'm pretty sure I could finish the story. Because I finished the main story and I think the only thing I have left to do is like go to the Great Hall. And then I don't know what happens at the very end. I, I hear it's anticlimactic. Um... But uh, I've already started to... Re I'm replaying it in another house because there's different side quests and different uh, focuses. But also because now that I've played through the game, there are things that's like, okay, now I know what I can do, what I should prioritize. Um, let's just say I wasn't able to learn all of the spells in my first run through, and I regret that because there's one spell I wish I knew because it's just one that would make a lot of the side quests a lot easier. But... It is what it is. Let's see. Marby Dog says Latin Mass is now anti-American. Crazy times. Wait, I don't know if I've heard anti-American. I've heard some people say that it's uh it's radical. I've heard some people say that if you attend the traditional liturgy, that somehow it makes you a uh, a, a radical personality. Like there's those articles. I, I know I talked about this on the OMB report over the summer when it came out, and I I think it's come up here too. But for instance, they they wep they basically weaponized the rosary. They said, you know, the rosary is the sign of of nationalist alt right, and now they're saying the same thing about those that attend the Latin Mass. It's like, or we're just a bunch of people that appreciate reverent liturgy, beautiful music, uh, a liturgy that can date back to the early centuries of the church. Key components of the mass actually can date back to even the, you know, some parts can even date back to the times of, of the apostles within, uh, you know, even like the first hundred years of the church. Whereas the Novus Ordo can date back to the 60s and it's retained some things kind of that date back to the early church, but a lot of it's been changed so much. Uh, the metric that I've always uh, heard, and and a great film, by the way, if you want, if you're interested at all, even if you're not Catholic, if you're interested in what happened in this change of the liturgy, like what is it, 
Um, there's a great documentary called Mass of the Ages Part 2, and it deals specifically with what's known as this concilium. It's this group of people that even included non-Catholics, which is, again, a, a problem when you understand liturgy and you understand, you know, the, the understanding of the, of the Catholic Church, that they basically developed this, this, this mass, uh, whole cloth, really, from this concilium. And they actually do a comparison of prayers that were untouched between the Novus Ordo and the traditional mass. And only about, what, 17% or the low 20s actually survived untouched. Everything else either got taken out completely or got adapted in some way. So it's hard to say that they're the same mass, that they are the same right overall. But that's that's for a whole other day. Uh, Victor Fontaine says, which John Wick 4 4Ks are you getting so many exclusive discs? Yeah, I, I noticed that. So I have not seen Best Buy release their pre-orders yet for the Steelbook. Typically, though, Lionsgate Steelbooks especially ones from Best Buy, are just brilliant. They typically have the plastic slipcover, etc. But I know that right now I've pre-ordered the Amazon exclusive. I assume that's going to be a steelbook. But I actually pre-ordered it early enough to where they had not released any artwork yet, and it was all artwork to be determined. But I ended up getting it at a price that's cheaper than what it should have been. Like I ended up getting it like at $26 when... Last I checked, I think that it's actually gone up to like $42. So I'm like, hey, I'm happy that I got in on that if that's what I think it is. Because I got the one that's an Amazon exclusive. I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be a steel book, I imagine. Um, so that, that's the one I have right now. But once the Best Buy one becomes available. Because again, I'm buying a lot of copies. Because you all, as you all know, I'll buy a copy for myself. But then I'll buy a bunch of copies to give away. Uh, most of the time, I, I give them away uh, to my Keeper of the Bifrost members on Patreon, Subscribestar, Locals. And then I'll also give them away uh, throughout the year as well, uh, random streams. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be buying a lot. I'll be buying a lot of John Wick Chapter 4 to give away for sure. Cthulhu says, wait, is Kraken coming out the same time as Little Mermaid? Dang, they're throwing salt at Disney, huh? I don't even know what Kraken is. So, Kimberly G., what is your thought? What is your favorite Tarantino movie? That's always a tough one because I think Pulp Fiction's the one that I always have that gut reaction to go to. But then I keep repeating, or I keep repeating in my mind, what are the films that I, if I think, okay, I want to watch a Tarantino film tonight, which one am I going to watch? Hateful Eight's up there too. I think Hateful Eight's great. It's it's a it's a movie that has just a beautiful atmosphere, has the beautiful Morricone score, and um. And it's a lot of fun. You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a lot of fun too. Um, but I think I think uh I think Hateful Eight's a lot more rewatchable uh between those two specifically. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Hateful Eight. Marvie Dog, FBI was investigating Latin Mass attendees in Virginia for Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked about that before. That's kind of old news at this point in time. But I'm not surprised, right? Because again, the the people who tend to uh, attend the traditional mass are are people who typically are politically independent but are leaning towards i mean the way i always describe my politics is i believe what the church teaches i believe what comes from the body of christ which is the church and so i therefore am opposed to communism but i'm also opposed to classical liberalism as well 
because classical liberalism can also be too extreme. That's why I don't feel comfortable associating completely with uh, with libertarianism, for instance. There's a lot of good things from libertarianism, but sometimes it can focus so much on the individual person that it ignores the common good. And there has to be that fine balance. And this is something that I've, I've actually grown in much more knowledge and appreciation of because of teaching. You know, And that's why I love teaching, because I learn every single year. And so in teaching Catholic social teaching, I learn a lot by reading these documents, uh, by reading these, you know, primary sources, primary documents. And it's just, again, it's amazing how much foresight, um, if you're ever interested in these types of, uh, documents or these types of conversations, um, rerum Navarum, uh, considered to be the first of the Catholic social teaching encyclicals deals with the concept of labor. And it not only is a clear condemnation of socialism and communism, but also of excessive liberalism. And again, classical liberalism. I always have to say that with my students. Uh, Sherry Allen says, how well does your wife play Hogwarts Legacy? Has she finished? She hasn't. She hasn't played it uh, since mid-March, I think. Early March. I think I was I was looking at it last night, and she, yeah, she hasn't played it in, in well over a month, and it, I'm very sad. Uh, she wants to play it, but because of her pregnancy, her her brain is not in the play. And anyone who's been pregnant or knows people who've been pregnant knows that the brain can be very heavily impacted by it. So she's never been in the right mindset to be able to focus on playing the game. She, as far as how she plays it, I love my wife. I love her. I love Lady Freya. But, oh my goodness. Um, it, it came to the point where I was watching it at first because I, I just I loved watching her with the joy that she had because of just how beautiful it is. But when she plays it, she's like, looking around at all of the imagery, uh, you know, looking at it from a book fanatic that she is. But then also, too, she doesn't know how to work two joysticks at the same time. So it came to the point, too, where I was like, okay, I can't be in the same room because it's driving me nuts watching you try to work the camera. <laughs> uh, but again, I love her. And um, I, I just want her to be able to, to play it uh, and have fun with it. So hopefully she gets to the point where she can do that. Uh, Reaper, Best Buy has a steelbook up for pre-order. Ooh, okay. Glad to hear it. Definitely will be getting that. Okay, thank y'all. Thank y'all for letting me know because definitely we'll be pre-ordering that. General Meister, Hateful Eight didn't have Leo Flaming Kami Cultist, though. Five out of ten. <laughs> that is true. But it also featured some pretty great acting slash cinematography. The score, Ennio Morricone's score is beautiful in that movie. Kimberly G, Hateful Eight had real antiques getting smashed, very intense buildup. Oh, yeah. There's this great sequence when the guitar gets slammed and she was actually playing an iconic guitar and they were supposed to switch it out before. And in the take, she's screaming no. And the reason why is because she knows the guitar that the actor is smashing is the antique guitar and not the one that was meant for smashing. And they they kept that in. I thought that was great. Ikthulu says, thanks for a great show. Have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, we are at time tonight. So again, thank you everyone for watching today. JKDBuck76 just coming at the very end. Odin, I have, I was the same way watching my son play Super Mario Bros. <laughs> I feel like when my son, if my son ever plays games, I'll probably have different, I'll probably have like more patience because I don't know. I obviously have a lot of patience with my wife, but it's like, it's like, okay, when it's two adults, both of us don't really play games all that, you know, she especially doesn't play games. I've at least said, I, I can at least say, hey, you know what? I've played through Spider-Man on PS4, 
you know, I've played through various other games too throughout my time. She's really someone who's not really played much of anything. Uh, but I think that I, I might have more patience with, uh, with my kids as they, as they grew up with, with those things, but I could, yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Uh, Victor Fontaine says Walmart had a John McForce steelbook, uh, to we'll have to compare. Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. So Walmart typically has the same exact steelbook, right? They'll always say it's their exclusive, but keep in mind, Lionsgate is the one that releases these things. And usually they are very, very similar, if not the exact same. I don't have it next to me, but for instance, the Top Gun 4, sorry, the Top Gun 4K, the Top Gun Maverick 4K, all right, the 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 steelbook from Best Buy was very standard release. The exclusive that came from, uh, and that was Paramount for that one, uh, but the, the steelbook that was the exclusive from Walmart had a magnet on it. The steelbook was the exact same, but it had a lenticular magnet. Now, that was a really cool feature and it was awesome and maybe that's what they'll do don't be surprised though if the difference between the walmart and the best buy is something like having a lenticular um magnet on the front but the same base steelbook if i if i had to guess by the way reaper 0878 thank you very much for becoming a member at the citizen of asgardian level man i appreciate it but with all that being said, thank you all very much for watching. I do want to also mention uh, before heading out, obviously tomorrow's Palm Sunday, so I hope everyone continues to have a blessed Lent and a blessed Holy Week going forward, blessed Palm Sunday tomorrow. Um, but also, if you have won any of the giveaways through the Discord channel, so that's for my Keeper of the Bifrost members and above on Patreon Local Subscribestar, I have the stack of films that y'all won. I just am waiting for... Some I'm actually I just bought a, a shipping label printer just to make things easier because the, the process you would laugh at the process that I currently have. It, it involves me having to tape, not being able to print on multiple sides. It, it's been a whole mess. So that's coming in tomorrow and I can't wait to get that set up so that way I can start to, to print those out. Also, if you have made a request for a rosary, same issue for, for a lot of the rosaries. I either have them and I'm just waiting for this to come in so that I, that I can ship them or I still need to make them. So uh, the rosaries, obviously, those are, are not necessarily guaranteed timing-wise. Neither are the giveaways, but I always try to get the giveaways out as soon as possible. But anyway, if you have won a Blu-ray or a 4K or anything like that on the giveaways channel, do know those should be shipping out either tomorrow or Monday. And if you have been waiting on a rosary, some of them might ship out this week whereas others might take another couple weeks because I, I still need to make some of them. So anyway, with all that being said, smash the like button, like the fire button, Aussie, smash the rumble button as well. Seriously, thank you so very much uh, for being here. Have a blessed rest of your Saturday. Tomorrow, a blessed Palm Sunday. Uh, again, a beautiful, beautiful day in the church, the beginning of the holiest week of the church. And uh, I'll be on Tuesday. So Tuesday evening, we'll have our Welcome to Asgard podcast then. For Friday, I will not be on Friday Night Tights, and then I won't have anything on Saturday because we are traveling to, the right now the plan is to travel to Pensacola uh, for family, and since we're traveling on Friday, it means I won't be able to do Friday Night Tights, and then Saturday, because I'm not going to be able to stream from uh, my in-law's uh, place, no stream this coming Saturday, and so uh, Tuesday will be the last stream before Easter. So we'll, we'll, we'll give our blessed and happy Easters at, at that point to anyone out there. But hey, we are in the final stretch of Lent. So if you're someone who has given up 
uh, you know, various sacrifices for the Lenten season. If you've taken up more fasting or abstaining from certain foods or whatever it might be, hey, we, we are right there. Remember, having a, a good and solid Lent leads to a good and solid Easter. And uh, thank you again for allowing me to continue to have as much fun as I am having doing all of these things. And uh, it really honestly means a lot of my heart from, from all y'all to be here and to support just by watching, just by liking, and just for being amazing. I will have my April video, my April shoutouts video done. Uh, should be a part of tomorrow's box office breakdown video. I, I took care of all of the screenshots I needed to take and all of the list updating I needed to do. But uh, just know we're going to have our March shout-out video one more time tonight. And then we are going to uh, have that updated, uh, should be updated tomorrow. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. Blessed Saturday, a blessed Palm Sunday. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my March Patreon subscribe star and local members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who can check out Evera's YouTube channel by the same name, Jaime Ayri Heimison, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange at Reviews, you can check out over at his YouTube channel, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, Miss Martin Muses, and you can check her out at her YouTube channel by the same name also. To my subscribe star, members, Matt317, you can check out over at his Twitch channel, Matt317, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and Man, who you can find out over at xtheboundaries.co, and lastly, to my locals members, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D. 90 and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me at the Patreon level, Subscribe Star level, and Locals level, Keeper of the Bifrost, and above. If you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and and uh, every video, make sure to check out the, uh, the the top link in the video description to find out more ways that you can support the channel, including at ways to get access to a podcast and also ways to get access to giveaways that I do on the channel. And also, of course, to my coveted chosen of Valhalla level as well. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.